This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. We're talking travel on 2NURFM 103.7. Sally Locus, we have a very special destination ahead of us today. We do. The romantic Paris, the glamorous Paris, the interesting Paris. Oh, the list goes on. The nooks and crannies, the curios. And I just thought everyone, you know, you, you speak to all know like the Galerie Lafayette or Le Printemps, you know, the famous department stores. But I think that's not really what Paris is all about, even though they might be fantastic in their own right. But it's got such a, a range of specialty shops in Paris. And you've still got, in some places, some of them are gone, but the covered arcades that were of a, you know, a previous era. And you can just do the most wonderful shopping. And if this place is really quite near the Champs-Élysées, this particular area I'm going to talk about, and, and the Louvre. So it's, it's not like you're far removed, but it's just a little pocket that, um, people forget is there because they're going to all the obvious places. And it's called uh, the Palais Royal. And it's a 17th century, um, beautiful, you know, building, but it's got lovely gardens as well. Now we, you know, and Paris is full of parks and gardens too. And I mean, not just the Tuileries or the Luxembourg and so on, but there's pockets of little parks and gardens everywhere where you can sit and have a lovely little laze and watch life go by. And, you know, it's, and it's always pa- fun in Paris. Oh, it is. And I mean, we've, I just had some friends come back from Italy and took their two children, 16 and 20 for the, for 20 for the first time, who were blown away by the history. And I think when you first go to Europe, this is what amazes you. Something I hear is 100 years old and we think, oh, wow. But when you get over there and, and you see still even ruins, you know, whether it be a Colosseum or something, but that goes back centuries. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. And I think Paris is just one of those rare and beautiful cities that does have lots of little nooks and crannies with all its 18 arrondissements. You could get lost in each one of them and spend months in Paris. But these little shops, and I'm just taking an article actually, it was out of the um, Sun Herald back in July, but it was written about uh, one of the journalists saying how, look, you know, forget these other places, go to these wonderful little covered arcades and little shops. And she's just talking about, which is quite interesting, some specialty shops she fell upon. And one was a music box shop. You know, something as specific as a shop that just sells music boxes. You know, isn't that amazing? That's astounding, yes. Yeah, and it's uh, called Anna Joliet's Music Box Store. And it's this tiny little place that can hold no more apparently than a handful of people. And you can get music boxes that are Swiss, that are walnut, they've got marquetry, you know, up to as much as a $1,000. But you can also get one for as little as 10 euros. You know, so you, you've got this wonderful little shop that you can just go and you can pick your own tune from a list if you want to go into the music box. You know, even Edith Piaf, La Vie en Rose or something like this, you know. So you'd really have a piece of Paris at home with you, wouldn't you? And, of course, there's vintage designer shops in this area as well. And also, unusually, I thought, a military medal shop that's got unusual displays of rare war medals and apparently collectors come there from all over the world to this specific little shop again so we're talking about areas that you think wow just selling medals just music boxes you know it's quite amazing isn't it and there's another beautiful shop called Les Salons du Palais Royal Shiseido which obviously is Shiseido but apparently it's a, a very elaborate beautiful perfume shop 
and um, it was created by a French photographer, a perfumer and designer, and it's got this apparently lovely spiral staircase, and you, you've got obviously um, Shiseido in there, but it's not just Shiseido, and you've got exquisite engraved perfume bottles as well, you know. So I just think, just remember Paris to get into these little arcades, and it's famous for its markets too, if you recall, John, I don't know whether you've ever been there when any of the markets are on, but you, you've it's got, hard to avoid, isn't it? Yes, yes well, I mean, days, you've got so. flower, again, specific flower markets, bird markets, you know, um, stamp markets, antique and um, secondhand book markets, flea markets, art and craft. So always try and get to one of the markets because you're mixing with locals and that's what you want to do. You don't want to mix with tourists. You want to get out there and get into these little pockets where you're going to mix with local people. And that's the beauty to me of travelling is to experience that lifestyle and culture and the way those people live. And it's good that we have a few uh, signposts to point yes. us in the right direction around a city as big as Paris. It is. It's amazing, isn't it, really, that you, how well you can get around Paris by using the metro system particularly. That's where your Paris visite card comes in handy to purchase before you go because once you've got that, you just got your little pass and off you go and hop on and off all your transport systems. And a museum pass is a good thing for people to consider as well because it not only gets you into a range of museums, not all of them, but you'll get a list when you purchase just the pass, but it also gives you head of the queue. So you're not queuing, you know, for all these long, some of these attractions, you do have, as you can understand, in peak season, there's quite a queue, but you just can go to the front of the queue and get up in the Arc de Triomphe and walk up the stairs and the Sacre-Cœur or, you know, Notre Dame, and you get down to, below into the catacombs and see the old um, Ile de la Cité, where it was originally found. It's underneath the Notre Dame, the, the beginnings of Paris, the city. I mean, it's been excavated by archaeologists. It's just full of so many surprises, you know. And so gracious. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, beautiful architecture, beautiful food. Paris at your feet. Absolutely. To NURFM 103.7. And thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King, we're talking travel. Sally Lucas, where are we off to now? Complete change of pace here uh, from Paris, Jane. I'm heading now to Southeast Asia and specifically into um, Vietnam, Burma and Cambodia, Mm. but doing it in a different way on a river cruise. Now, that is different. It is. Now, this particular company has Pandor River Cruises, P-A-N-D-A-W, it's called, and they were established in 1995, and they were the first to pioneer and explore uh, the region's great rivers and tributaries. So, you know, the Irrawaddy, it just brings, conjures up images, doesn't it? Mm. The Irrawaddy, I remember that. The Chindwin in Burma, the Mekong and the Tonnel Rivers in Cambodia, and the backwaters of the Mekong in Vietnam as well. So what these vessels are, they're, they're small vessels that can penetrate remote and otherwise inaccessible areas, which is something we've been talking about over a period of time now with the advent of river cruising and how you can get it, or small ship cruising in general, which is a wonderful way to, to get an experience of, of life in these countries. So you're getting a real adventure experience, but you're actually being cushioned with incredible comfort on these beautiful, rep- they're like replica paddle steamers. Okay, and um, and they've got the highest passenger to space ratio of any ship afloat, as their claim to fame. Um, single sitting, of course, for dining, just smart casual, and they've got the highest um, staff guest ratio of any ship in the world. So you're getting a really high level of care, and it's more like being like on a 1920s private yacht than on an actual cruise ship. The staterooms on them are 15 square meters, so it's. <laughs> It's like a house. You know, so that's quite amazing, isn't it? And it's all in traditional marine brass and teak, but you've still got all your mod cons. 
So in, and the cabins on the main and upper decks open onto promenade decks with their own seating outside. You know, can you imagine just sitting? I've just got an image in my mind of floating down the Mekong and just with a not maybe a gin and tonic or something in your hand at sunset. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, anyhow, they, a feature of all these cruises is that once or twice daily they go ashore with local guides as well so that they get to experience and explore, you know, historical sites, markets, little townships, Buddhist temples, etc. And um, they've got a very shallow draft too, which is what lets them get into these inaccessible areas. So um, the inland water navigation is, is quite challenging, but these vessels can cope you know, with these conditions. Um, now, their river cruises connect um, Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, if you like, with Angkor Wat via Phnom Penh and covers over 1,500 miles of Burmese, Burmese waterways from Rangoon um, to Pagan and Mandalay and across to Bamo, close to the Chinese border. So you're getting a real wonderful range. So if anyone's thinking of, you know, getting into... Um, that area, which a lot of people are. I mean, Indochina has become a very popular destination for people to travel to. Just incorporating this, I think, would be a wonderful way because otherwise if you're in Ho Chi Minh City and you do a day trip down to the Mekong, it's pretty rushed and a long day and you're not really getting to see what I call the real Mekong, if you know what I'm saying. So you can at least do this. And the same with the Irrawaddy. I mean, Rudyard Kipling based his great poem, you know, The Road to Mandalay on... Um, the clunking paddles of the of the Irrawaddy flotillas and so on. So, I mean, poets and writers, you know, Somerset Maugham, George Orwell, um, have all been and travelled in this area and been and written quite, about and it. written about it and mm. quite smitten with it. So, yeah, just I thought an interesting way to incorporate. You know, some of them are only a couple of days, some are longer, you know, it's up to you. But, I mean, I think that would be a wonderful way to finish off probably. You know, it's a bit hustle and bustle when you're travelling through lots of these countries and lots of people and crowds and cities. And But to incorporate that towards the end of your holiday, what a way to finish. And would there be lots of settlements along the river? Quite, Thanks. yes, apparently, yes. I mean, I haven't done it, as I said. I've only done the day trip like most people have done down to the Mekong. But from what I've been led to believe and what I've read up on, yes, so there's plenty to see and do. And as I said, you are getting ashore usually twice a day, so obviously there's plenty for you to observe. I mean, even just when I went to Thailand last year and we followed the Mekong round that that you know, Isan area I was travelling, it was amazing how much life there is that you don't realise there is because most people go to the major cities or destinations in these countries and forget there's these wonderful remote areas just waiting for you to discover and go out there. And life is lived the way it's always been lived. You know, they don't go with modernity. It's... It's their way, it's their culture, and that's the way they like it. Talking travel. We'll be back next Friday after the 1 o'clock news with more from the world of travel. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. To NURFM 103.7.